As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? All right, hello, Luisa. <laughs> Welcome back to this to country <laughs> that you live Thanks, in. Thanks, Ant, to this to, to our country. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Thank you. Welcome back to me. Uh, ironically, uh, this fucking stupid ass country is my country. I know. Did it uh, suck? Yeah, it really sucks. I mean, uh, I had to move back to my country that all of my family, except for me and my brother, are from. Uh, like by birth, you know. Yeah. Um, I hadn't been there for 23 years. And, uh, you know, uh, it was kind of weird because some of the family that I went with, I think they were very focused on like reliving the past on like seeing things that where we lived and shit like that, you know. Yeah. And I was like, no, I really just want to see what the city is like now, like what the people are like now, what the cool restaurants are now, where the people hang out, you know, what the street art is that's going on. And um, it was just weird because you clearly like, oh, my God, uh, I had a cab driver where he was like asking me, I was with somebody who's not Colombian <laughs> and he was asking us like, oh, my God, are you a tourist? Are you from here? Whatever. And I was like, well, I'm from here, but he's not. And I was like, uh, but I haven't been back in like 23 years. And he was, and he just goes, ah, so you were from here. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dude, good burn. I guess I was from here. Um, yeah. So it's kind of weird because you go there and they are very, it's very clear that you're not from there. It doesn't matter if you speak, speak Spanish, like they can tell, you know? Yeah. And uh, here, it doesn't matter if you speak English or have degrees or whatever. When you go to the middle of the country, they can tell you're not from there either. <laughs> so yeah. really, the only place I'm from is places like Miami and New York where nobody's really from there. I mean, like there are people from there, but even those people are the children of people who were didn't belong anywhere else. You yeah, know it's I mean? weird. The concept of being from somewhere changes from place to place depending yeah. on what the place is like. Because some places are yeah. like, you live and die in Akron, Ohio, or whatever. And yeah. Some places are yeah. cosmopolitan. But I've, I've learned to identify home as being like uh, a place full of immigrants and full of people searching for li- making a living and for surviving and for changing, I guess, their station in life. I don't know. Uh But this whole like rooted thing is not for me. So I actually really enjoyed going to Medellin because it is actually more cosmopolitan than it was when I last went. Yeah. Um, So I know like my brother doesn't love the fact that it's like full of tourists and there's like a lot of white people. Same thing as Puerto Rico. There's a lot of white people taking advantage of the fact that they can work remotely and live like rich people in a poor country where their money makes them live like rich people, you know? Yeah. Um, But it's like shitty you know that part sucks but it's good for the people who work in the tourism industry and for i don't know it's fucking weird and for the fact that like the culture is changing and expanding to include like international perspectives in food that they offer art you know like all this stuff to be so like medellin is more like new york now than it is like something in kansas or something (laughs) not to be rude to kansas (laughs) (laughs) but you know more there there were at least like 15 different kinds of national cuisines available <laughs> not like four yeah uh when well, that was but, different from when you grew up 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it was um, because it was more um, Medellin is a valley where like it's very uh, industrialized and factory worker filled and everybody who doesn't work in a factory or didn't, I'm talking like in the 80s, worked usually either in like hospitality and tourism or the vast majority in farming, like agriculture stuff. Yeah. So it just wasn't like oh we have a, f- a bunch of different interests like people don't go there for the cuisine <laughs> you know yeah which is not to say that it's bad but it just wasn't it wasn't in a cosmopolitan place where like people are looking for i open a restaurant here people come here for it you know yeah it was very much like i open a restaurant here because this is where the workers hang out at their lunch break right <laughs> you know so we don't go with michelin star kind of bullshit we go with fucking tamales <laughs> so um but anyway it was cool um it was one of the most striking things was uh the news there is so also international which is something that was the same as when i was a kid but it was just weird to be reminded that when you're not in the united states like the rest of the world is concerned with the rest of the world <laughs> but in america you have to work really hard to get international news you know what i mean like you yeah. can't you won't get them from any of the most popular news sources in more than like a snippet you know what i mean yeah it's also just like heavily twisted mm-hmm. like yeah but it, but you know i don't know i'm glad to be back a lot of fucking shit happened um in comedy or not a lot of shit but oh so this is a thing actually that i did want to tell you about is um I didn't think about comedy even once in seven days. Okay? <laughs> yeah. At one point, somebody on like the sixth day, somebody asked me a question about like what comic would I recommend for something? Yeah. And I went and I like, no lie. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was just like, <laughs> what is comic? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was so like blown out of the water. Like, I don't understand that question in this hemisphere. <laughs> like, I, what the fuck is happening right now? So then it took me some time, and then I did eventually answer the person's question, so nobody get mad at me. But um, it was very shocking because I realized um, that I feel better about it, man, and that I don't know if it's, like, necessarily uh, a quitting. It's not – I'm not mad or sad about it. I didn't hit you up about anything the entire time we were going because I was, like – I even thought about sending you jokes and stuff about yeah. comedy. Like, we, we'll text each other, but, like, it seemed like you were just on vacation, like, from – that you yeah, know what I mean from that specifically yeah man and then I would look at Twitter like occasionally and I just be like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care about this like it's hilarious I got jostled so, out of it like that when I was on tour and I would look back yeah and one of the things that happened is I, was, I went away for like a week which in tour time was a million years and then mm-hmm. I looked back at Twitter and the horse pace stuff was happening and I was just like what <laughs> the fuck yeah <laughs> what exactly. is this crazy website yeah, uh-huh. So I've just been skipping it. Uh, but I did catch up once I got back, so we can talk about all of that now. Um, and then also, well, I mean, what's been going on with you? What did you do in this like, <sighs> 10 days that I didn't see you? So I've been going through this thing that I'm referring to to myself as October syndrome or October madness <laughs> or uh, I don't even know what uh, October and so on and so forth, whatever name you want to give it, which is... Um, kind of a weird personal crisis about the month of October because there's this phenomenon that is, uh, I mean, on the simple way of describing it is like, you see the memes, you know, where people are like, uh, November 29th, a normal version of SpongeBob, October 1st, Mm. one where he's a spooky vampire or whatever. And they sort of describe this thing that like a lot of people have, which is 
that and I have it where I love Halloween. I like spooky goth shit. I love the, the fall weather and I feel kind of you don't start on October first. I kinda do. Well here's what's happening. No, you don't. Look at your fucking wardrobe. I'm wearing black. What do you mean? <laughs> That's what I mean. You don't start on October oh, okay. all year round. All year round well, you so, wear stupid shit with rats on it. Right, but that goth. plays into this, right? So okay. cause I would start what what's fucking up my shit right now mm-hmm. is that and I think part of this is being too online from COVID and all this stuff or whatever. And like years of like, I'm building up like a superstition about this month. Cause like, I don't know, you looking back over the years, it's like, I met a person I fell in love with during October and like all these Whoa, memories wait. from childhood and stuff during October, you know, I got to stop and ask you, what's the superstition that you think it's supposed to go really well. So I, yeah, that I think just good things happen in October. Right. And so okay, okay. I'll like save money. Like for instance, mm-hmm. okay. I didn't do this really. I did a little bit, but like, I have a lot of friends who will do like this thing where they're like, I don't drink during September because I know I'm going to party so hard in October Um, because the whole month is like just shit like this and it's building up. It's crazy. It's the month that ends on a party holiday, you know, so it's like this crazy buildup and stuff. And I started thinking about it and I was like, well, this is weird because months aren't real and time isn't real. So like, why does this only happen with October? And also isn't the isn't the isn't the, the reality of this? It's Halloween all year round if you want it to be. So just be like me and dress spooky and shit all year or whatever. Why am I still freaking out about this? And I realize what it is. is uh, It's like weird Gita board like time spectacle stuff uh, where like it time is a social construct, right? And so I think what it is is that I am kind of anxious about the fact that I know other people who have the same weird brain disease as me are also specifically going to be partying for this month. And so you can't just go, well, I'm going to keep doing watching horror movies all November, December, January or whatever, forever. If you're kind of operating under like, but everyone is doing it like a communal harvest festival thing at the same time right now. So I need to go, fucking hang out with those people right now and this is also coming from i guess isolation and stuff and kind of the desire to like date and meet people and stuff like that and like in my head i'm like it's only gonna happen in october which is fucking stupid because like you man that's so weird i'm I'm having the total opposite disease of you really yeah was it november itis no my opposite (laughs) of the disease is like uh first of all i think uh thanksgiving fucking sucks like, the food is delicious, but I could literally go to Whole Foods and buy it for myself and come home and watch a horror movie. And that's often what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Christmas fucking sucks. Uh, obviously, like, that goes for any other end of year holiday having to do with any religion and not whatever. It's not because I'm being a fucking diehard atheist. I just don't give a shit and I don't participate in any of it. I don't give a fuck about it. I don't give a fuck about it either. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about any of them. And for me, because I don't have this kind of life where ooh, I go back to my childhood home every year and sit down to dinner with parents that don't like who I am and that I hide things from. That's also why, yeah. why October is so stressful, because I don't like the holidays. And so it, the fun is over the fucking kind of the day after Halloween, which is Day okay. of the Dead, if, which so is also me, fun if you're cool. So, Right. So you're right. So let me propose to you my lifestyle. <laughs> uh, it's kind of similar to like at work. Okay. Like if you work in an office, uh, everybody goes away for the holidays, Jake, right? Like everybody, if you are able to, you know, if it's the kind of office where the office can shut down or whatever, like most people leave. 
I, being a fucking heathen, I never take off during the holidays because, hot tip everyone, since everyone's gone, there's less fucking meetings, almost no meetings, frankly. Nobody's bothering you about deadlines. Yeah. You fucking can get, you can organize your desk. <laughs> you can get so much shit done that is like fantastic, right? So I love being in the office in December. And then as soon as all these motherfuckers come back, boom, first week of January, Luis is on vacation. Eat a fucking dick. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then they're all back trying to catch up. And I'm like, See you in the middle of January, bitches. Um, this is why I go to bars on Mondays because I know yes. no one else is going to be there because I fucking service exactly. industry. There's a bar we need to break. Yeah, there's a bar right. I will not name, <laughs> but it is in this city that has a secret section of it that no one knows about. That's like always empty, and I go to it all the time because I know you can go and like read a book there, or like write or something like that, and like. Ooh. And it's still a great bar, but there's like a section that no one even knows about, but you're allowed to go in. And I fucking love this. And I think this is maybe like, I don't know if you subscribe to like the uh, attachment styles, all that shit or whatever. But I'm like, you know, diagnosed by many ex-girlfriends as avoidantly attached or whatever. Like I need (laughs) alone time to center me, but still kind of want to go out and party and stuff. So these like refuges you take, these like little oases you find in stuff like, like this, you know, they're, they're powerful. Yeah, man. Uh, so for me, I think I'm a secure attachment. I don't know. I don't pay attention to that shit. But yeah, so <laughs> because I don't um, have to travel against my will in November and December, and I don't have to fucking, um, I guess I don't experience that. I don't have children. So August and September are not stressful for me because there's no like build up to school season. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> I really recommend being 40 and living my life. Uh, I saw, Also, Jake, can I tell you something? Something that was really funny. Uh, when I came back home from Colombia, um, I'm, like, home the next day, and I'm just, like, making... Oh, I was making a hot dog. <laughs> and I'm just, like, making a hot dog. And then all of a sudden, it just came to me. Like, I looked around, and I was like, man, I'm so lucky to live alone. Like, if you think about the whole history of humanity, just the concept of living alone like less than 99% of all the humans who have ever existed. I mean, I'm sorry, less than 1% of all the humans that have ever existed on earth got the chance to live alone. And to me, it's really funny because, you know, people are used to being like, oh, well, humans are social creatures. Everybody needs everybody, (laughs) you know, like all this stuff. And I totally agree. But there's also very little recognition of the fact that um, the idea of aloneness and solo time and personal space is as new as the idea of being an individual. And although being an individual has like a lot of toxic things attached with it, um, I think this is one of the positive things, you know, that I do live in this detachment from all of these expectations, right? So this is what I would say to you about the horror thing or the October thing is actually, uh, we did not one, I think more than one episode about horror shit this year alone before October. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I think you are too, but I'm constantly, like, I watch all of the horror TV shows. I watch all of the remakes and all of the fucking sequels and all of it. Uh, I'm into it. I want to, that's what I'm into. I think I'm going to get Shudder, actually. Shudder's awesome. Yeah, I'd probably rather watch Shudder than all of this. And the thing is, like, I watch... I watched the other day, I watched Candyman at 9 a.m. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's fucking sunny outside or fucking, like, it, it's not external. To me, I enjoy horror in the same way that I enjoy comedy. I think they're very connected uh, in that they uh, elicit 
kind of like uh, when done well, they elicit um, subconscious and like uh, automatic. What do you call it? involuntary? There we go. Like involuntary emotional reactions from right. you. And that can be so fun to lose control. It's almost like a BDSM thing, to be honest with you, where yeah. I am a person who's very much in control. Oh, I had a panic attack on this giant rock in Colombia, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> I, I watched The Conjuring last night, and Ooh. I was watching it in the middle of the day, and I was like, yeah. um, ah, why did everyone recommend this movie? It's like kind of boring yeah. and slow paced. And I, my main thing right now is I hate subtle horror. I'm like, just give me fucking mm -hmm. everything. Like, come on, life's short. Yeah, yeah. But I was watching it, and I was fucking making fun of it. And then I went out and I hung out and I got back home and I finished it alone in the dark and my cat scared the shit out of me, yo. Like I was like so tense from it. So actually, I gotta say it was pretty good. But I, the reason I bring yeah. it up is because of the fucking end of the movie. It goes directed by James Wan, the malignant guy. So yeah. like I was like, fuck, he is good. He made a good. Yeah. He makes good movies. Dude, uh, that malignant wasn't bad. Come on. No, I know. Yeah, it's uh, good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, so I actually have this problem that, uh, and I don't, and I don't know if it's just me being like an angsty teenage Luisa who's like, oh, you're just a poser, <laughs> right? But I'm having every year I have this like really annoyed feeling with the people who seem to like all of a sudden you give a shit about God horror shit. <sighs> That's a good point. Weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's fucking. It's really fucking weird and like um the uh fuck what was i gonna tell you well no what were you gonna say because i'm gonna say something else but no i mean that's a good point because like you might actually be like honestly like i'm not even gonna fucking try to like kind of miss smoke screen this or whatever like i part of this is like i think it's from like wanting to meet somebody right now for like dating or something like that because I I'm what I'm I do think you, yeah I do think you made a good point about like you'll know all the people are out you know what I mean because like, you know that's what I cool and that like everything will be decorated in your theme <laughs> that is pretty cool I mean you can it's there's just like, vibes yeah. you work off of and like yeah. you go to like a like right now there's a lot of like post-punk shows and if I go somewhere I'm going to see people who are dressed in ways that I think are attractive and stuff and like have the yeah, same interests yeah. as me and that's sort of stuff but, then in, but Jake but then but if it's November right. they turn into a goddamn fucking Christmas girl no, they turn not into a pumpkin they turn from a pumpkin yeah. into a yeah no you're right you know yeah, what into a Christmas ornament <laughs> you're right so you're right the lesson here is no you find that person in like July or some shit yes before okay. can I tell you a tip uh, so did you know that like uh cat sanctuaries and shit you know like all the people that are into cat rescuing and like cat adoptions and all that stuff and like uh, rehoming cats etc cetera, etc cetera. uh they tell you like i got a bunch of letters or emails i guess this year <laughs> that they tell you like in august or fucking july they're like oh hey if you are um if you're rehoming or like you're currently fostering an all all black or all white kitten uh, please make sure that you try to place them in a good home before October or that you wait until like December or like till November because idiots who are fucking cosplaying being like, oh, I'm a goth witch, whatever the fuck, do stupid sacrifice rituals yeah. with black cats and all white cats. Yeah. And so they're just like, yeah, just wait. And I feel like that's what you have to do about like. Yeah, you could go out and fuck people in like a fun little witch costume, <laughs> but you can't bring that bitch home, dude. 
She is going to turn into, uh, yeah, the opposite of a pumpkin. Man, you're right. November 1st. You know what I mean? Just blew my mind. So actually, not to like quote my own tweet here, but it was really funny because one of the things that I looked at in Col- when, while I was in Colombia was that was happening, that like everybody was tweeting the um, September 30th, October 1st photos. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. So I saw one that was viral and it was from a girl, a woman that I don't follow. And it was viral and it was two pictures and the September 30th was the fall girl, you know, like that typical, like with the woven hat, blonde girl with boots, yeah, drinking a pumpkin spice latte or whatever. And then the second one was like a chick in glasses getting railed by a guy in the, <laughs> uh, the scream mask, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> with like a ring light in the back. <laughs> and that shit made me laugh so hard. Like the second picture that I was like, okay, fuck this first picture. Cause I'm never at no time of the year, even jokingly, am I this pumpkin spice girl? So get the fuck, get this the fuck off my timeline. And then I just tweeted like all year round. This is me. <laughs> like, yeah. And I tweeted the getting railed by them. By the mask guy, <laughs> uh, because it's uh, representative of this. It's funny that you brought it up, but in Colombia, I was thinking about it. That I was just like, "Oh, you're all just a bunch of fucking fair weather fans for goth." When it's like, "Oh, fun little season right before I have to go be around my family that I hate." Yeah, no, it's a fucking lifestyle. I mean, it's like how um, people like, and this comes back to like you and I's kind of hardcore philosophy on shit that we talk about on the show. But like, there's like people who just through their 20s they're like you know punk fucking rock and shit and like they're covered in garbage and have a mohawk and all this stuff and then when it comes time to turn 30 and you know be an adult they wash it all off and then they're like be a real estate worker or whatever yeah like whichever way you're compartmentalizing this that always bums me out and I'm always like no I was serious this is 12 months a year fucking why would you not you know fuck that shit that's for that's for other people to to make those compromises and shit why would you do this in the in a world that's falling apart like this where you don't even get that much out of it anymore, you know? But, uh, well, that gives me a little bit of, like, I guess, relief from uh, the... Because, you know what it is? You were right to bring up kids. It was It's like a biological clock, except it's shaped like a pumpkin, and it's about not children. It's about it's a clock that's about something else yeah. that I'm putting in my head. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It's also just it's like, a- I don't know, man. I had a bad breakup during fucking Halloween one time, and it was because... The person I was dating was... You weren't spooky enough? No, kind of, because the person I was dating was also a Halloween person, and then I think, like, I was fucking exhausted, and I was on (laughs) drugs, and I wasn't, like, I didn't fucking do a good enough job at the week-long Halloween grinder thing, because I was passing Mm -hmm. out, because I was fucking, like, having breathing problems and shit, and it's been haunting me, ironically haunting me. Sense, and I think I'm just living in the past, and I can't. This is what I can't shake. Like a ghost, uh, right? Like a fucking ghost. <laughs> October has turned me into a ghost about October. Like I can't get out of it, and it's like, I think this crisis. I think I just figured out it's actually about something else. It's just like about this weird, like I can't jostle myself out of like dwelling over all this crazy, fucking horrible, painful shit from the last ten years or whatever. Yeah, I'm having trouble just like getting in the moment, man. <sighs> I am having trouble getting out of the moment. Okay. Uh, yeah, man. I realized, like, especially going on this trip, uh, I don't give a shit about the past. <laughs> like, I don't care. I am not like everyone I think that I know who's, like, dwelling on all this shit in the past. Like, I literally, man, my mom, my brother, multiple times would just be like, oh, do you remember this person? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't care. I moved on with my life. And then it's the same thing in terms of the future. 
like I just clearly don't plan at all for the future and I don't I just live in the present which often can well sometimes can be bad because it can be selfish I guess from the point of view of other people because if you make decisions like where you want to be right now or who you want to be around right now that necessarily pushes some people away because you're not thinking you're not approaching them and thinking of like how can we sustain this forever and I th- and I've been thinking like that's what rubs me the wrong way about people who come up to me wanting to like network because you're not present in talking to me right right now you are talking to me as with this projection of our relationship in the future and what you think it will do for you in your career and that's fucking crazy to me i just can't relate to that jake this is honestly advice to young comedians about this is like think about this even if you you shouldn't be networking on purpose like this but if you want to network with somebody have a genuine experience with them the first time you meet them totally. and then the second time you go hey what's up it's we did fucking coke in the back of that bar together yeah. and then exactly. from there you're friends and then you can do you know yeah. you take advantage of that to whatever degree you I think like is the third ethical time, okay shut the fuck up third, yeah fourth time maybe <laughs> well, yeah, later is what i'm saying like you <laughs> yeah, have later, to later. the thing that pisses yeah. off off everyone from our point of view as people who have people come up to us is seeing transparently the person just doing it yeah and you're like you're not allowed yet, you know? Like, I don't it's like just, you like that yet. Yeah, no, and it's just weird because even when people who I guess are my friend do it later, like, the only reason it's okay is because to me it is still an interaction about the present. It's about the fact that in the present you value my opinion and I want to help you in whatever way I want to help you. I can help you because I appreciate you as a person and an artist. So it's, to me the interaction is still about the present and how we feel about each other yeah even if for you it's partially about your future and where you think this might go with your material tomorrow or whatever the fuck you know have, what I mean? have you ever heard the term la eye contact uh that's when people are talking to you and looking around the room yeah like to the next person yeah that's what yeah. all this shit feels like you can yeah. tell when someone's like you, the entirety of the situation would be changed if they were actually looking at you yeah. while they were talking to you. And it's unfair that it's called LA, LA, LAI contact because it happens here too, but yeah. it's very it's a very accurate name that conveys exactly what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, which is funny. I mean, now that we've gotten into show business, are we going to jump to the other news that I caught through my <laughs> skimming of Twitter occasionally on ver- barely any Wi-Fi? Uh, you mean SNL? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have so many thoughts, man. So, I mean, where to start? Where do you even want to start with that? Here's why I want to start, all right? Like, two of the three of people who got hired on SNL this week as the cast have been on my podcast. The other guy, no one on Twitter knows who he is, right? And this means something, and I'm not centering myself too much here, because it's also, like, clearly they've been on Chapo, and they've been on the bigger ones. They've been on, like, all of the shit, but it's all the shit. They've been on Sticker Treat. <laughs> it's, you know what? Maybe it's not even fucking internet-centric, but to me, what, like, I, every once in a while, I'll have a friend who, like, gets a job on, like, The Daily Show or something, and then I'll talk to them, and they'll be a comedian, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, we read your shit for, like, information about, like, a political thing or whatever. And I'm like, that's really interesting. The Daily Show is listening to my podcast sometimes to write jokes about a fucking thing. Huh. And so I'm aware, like, I'm, again, not trying to gas myself up too much, but I'm looking at this, and I'm like, these motherfuckers, like... Were they, did they decide to tap into the subculture for a second that I'm in because 
they did some focus grouping and some marketing and realized that teenagers all listen to fucking dirtbag left podcasts and shit now and go because because snl famously is like marketed towards teenagers and shit like they want you to be 14 and love the show or whatever and i'm looking at that and i'm like well hey i'm proud of those people like that's cool somebody from my world just way more famous than me at this point you know fucking got a thing um but also like as part of me that's like damn like you when did they look at me did i don't fucking want to be on the show but i'm curious like did i fucking did they ever uh, did you know back in 2017 <laughs> like, when i was going real viral could i have fucking yeah. you know what i mean uh but uh, but also the other thing though it's funny about that is that it seems like, like a del- porn out they would have fucking been like, oh, no, we gotta move on to the next one <laughs> it's a de- but the other thing that's funny about it is that it's like it seems weird because sarah squirm and james austin johnson have been on all this anti-capitalist shit now that they're booked on SNL, which is the thing that we all made fun of for nonstop for the last like three years or whatever, like, how's that going to work? Like, I'm sure for them, it's just you just do the job and then, you know, see what happens. But like all of their sort of sycophants and like hangers on, like who I know have been making fun of SNL <laughs> for, you know, ever. Or do they all yeah. get to turn around and go? Oh, now we like it. Now SNL's good. Or oh, I only watch it when my friend's on it. Or how the fuck does that work? And then to to cap that point yeah. off, one thing that's really funny yeah, is I I saw a tweet today that uh, the episode that they debuted on is the lowest rated SNL oh. episode in a long time, which not, almost like no, not the lowest rated episode. It's the lowest rated uh, season premiere ever. <laughs> I mean. Good job. Like, you know, cool. Take it down from the inside. <laughs> well, okay. So allow me, before anybody cancels Jake, <laughs> uh, to arrive at the same conclusion, but through a for- far more depersonalized road, right? Which is, to me, you know, most of the time, you know, I don't really tweet about SNL. I don't really say anything about SNL because I don't watch SNL. I haven't watched SNL since I was a teenager who couldn't leave the house on Saturday night. <laughs> you understand me? Yeah. And now when I stay home on Saturday night, it's not to watch SNL. <laughs> it's to watch a good movie and have sex or to get drunk with my friends in the backyard. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not fucking watching SNL. So <clears throat> this is not to say this is my problem with it, right? Um this is going to be difficult. I'm going to try to be as uh, nuanced as possible, Jake, because I do think this is a conversation worth having the the gray area that you're pointing at with like what happens now, what how like this conflict of how we a thing we were making fun of as soon as our friends and people we respect are on it. Now we're like, oh, that's so cool. That's so great. Yeah. So to step back from it, first of all, one of the things that I think is important in the context is that the biggest SNL story right before their announcement of the new cast was the Horatio Sands thing. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That's the funny thing, is that as soon as there was an announcement of the new cast, the Horatio Sands and Jimmy Fallon thing disappeared from the conversation, at least in terms of comedy Twitter. And I mean that, you know, for anyone who's listening who's not a comedian... I follow a lot of comedy fans and comedians and comedy outlets and comedy journalists. So all of a sudden, the whole conversation on your timeline changes in a way where before there were people retweeting the Horatio Sands thing and talking about that. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to get into all the details, but basically disgusting fucking 
rapey shit with children and fucking helping each other be horrible and people at SNL covering it up and being aware, go read the article. Um, so there's a lawsuit by one of the victims, I believe against Horatio Zanz, but it names Jimmy Fallon as being present and aware. And I believe she's underage. Go read all the shit. So um, there were other things coming up around that about like the type of environment that SNL creates. And we get this periodically, you know, we hear about the 70s, 80s, like all the time, periodically, not just like the very difficult work environment, but the like rampant drug use um, at some points, not in a fun way, <laughs> but in like, I have to do a bunch of cocaine to get creative and get work done until I kill myself or else I'm a failure kind of way. Yeah. Um, sexual harassment, sexual like inappropriateness, all this kind of shit, you know? And then uh, as we've seen in the last few years, um, part of the reason that I don't talk too much about it is because it is an institution that I can't change the fact that for comedians, it does change your life and your career to work there for even one season, right? And I pretty much have never heard any comic say that they loved their time at SNL, <laughs> but they would do it over every time because they got a bunch of shit afterwards from being from doing it. Yeah, you know? the I think you should leave guy said he hated it. Yeah, everybody says they hated it. Yeah, everybody says they they hated it. Um, so I mean, like, it's just it's not good. And so then, what's conflicting is that, um, especially over the no, like, what's conflicting is like as a kid, even a lot of great comedians and a lot of great movies came out of the people from SNL that I loved growing up. And then, as a grown up who watches stand up comedy, I've gotten to see some great comics go work there, and in some cases, not really do stand up anymore or well <laughs> and then in other cases <laughs> succeed wildly as writers you know like it's good it's good for them you know stand-up is honestly very rarely uh one track career like you could only do stand-up and that's the one thing you do yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean um so it's it, i just don't want to begrudge that to them especially when there's a bunch there that i respect like julio and anna and now um judge <laughs> and you know like all of them and sarah james and sarah you know there's a bunch right and who can forget um, our good friend aristotle that we all know and love the third guy <laughs> yeah i'm exactly just kidding no one's third. ever heard is, of him. is his name aristotle yeah right exactly exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly I, I, was, I was like he's joking but no i think that is his name i think so uh yeah so this is the crux of the problem i guess that just as i am conflicted about the fact that i think snl is a stupid show <laughs> that should have been canceled a long time ago because it is actually the epitome of an old school way of creating comedy, which is to have this single white male uh, gatekeeper who is like deciding what is funny and who is funny for the entire country and setting the bar for like a lot of the people that will be movie stars in the next decade. A lot of the people will have TV shows, you know what I mean? Like, it's all based on him. And so in the last few years, he's realized maybe hopefully that he's not in touch or other people have demanded from him that he needs to change cer certain things. So uh, because, you know, they had a black woman on very late, like it all is really bad. I think uh, the fact that they just had like the first Asian American writer in like last year <laughs> ever in 30 years. Yeah. Insane stuff. Right. And so uh, to me, it's a, a vestige of comedy that should no longer exist. It's like the American Museum of Natural History 
in that it doesn't actually present science to you anymore. It just presents to you an idealized version of people's childhood and like what you think old timey science was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but the reality is that it is a good thing that happened. If it happens to a comic, it is a good thing, right? And I watched when these announcements happen, all of a sudden everybody dropped any kind of critique towards the institution of SNL, towards the people who come out of it, towards the behavior that happens in it. Because remember that they were also still doing, um, and again, I love all these people who work there. This is not me fucking trying to cancel anybody or get them fired or make them feel bad for where they work. But SNL was still having uh, parties, after parties at the stand after every show during COVID. Yeah. Uh, They were, you know, they've been less than responsible, let's say, about continuing to put the show on. And they're bad in just a lot of ways, I think. And uh, Yeah, I mean, SNL's bad in so many ways. Like, Weekend Update is all... They do jokes about how cool Jeff Bezos is and shit. It sucks. It's -hmm. conservative in nature a lot of the time. At best, at worst, it's ideologically, you know, unsound. Well, yeah, and to be fair... To the entire project, um, it is a project that stopped being logical many years ago because it is specifically required to be uh, greatest common denominator comedy. You know, yeah, which means it is is like directly being like it has to be lowest hanging fruit comedy so that it hits for everyone across the country who's what who's tuning in. As opposed to if you work a particular kind of club or you have a kind of podcast or you have a kind of audience, then you expect that in in that particular space, you have a certain leeway of where you can go with crossing lines and shit like that. That SNL doesn't really have in their defense. (laughs) So it's kind of like a toothless, I don't know, it's fucking stupid. But anyway, point being... That what I watched happen when these announcements came out was everybody dropped the conversation of criticizing the institution. And all of a sudden, it became like a big celebration. And it was a celebration for the comics who got this job, as it should be, because, as I said, it is a good thing for them and their careers. But the, I don't know if it's like cognitive dissonance or like the extreme compartmentalization that I was then observing in performers who I've previously seen be very um, critical of the SNL as an institution and their choices and all this shit all of a sudden be like, congratulations, this is so great. It's like, yeah, in one way that's magnanimous or whatever, but it's also like, like being happy that your friend became a cop. congrats that you graduated from the police academy i mean i guess that means you're the best guy there (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) but also you get a gun and you can shoot people and nobody will tell you anything i know i I don't know if it's like that's a perfect kind of metaphor because like there's this problem with comedy being such a niche art form and like there's only so many games in town where. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna blow up his spot because I think he probably won't hear this, or I don't think he would care. But he. Nobody snitch. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but I think it's pretty funny. Uh, I went and watched Eddie Pepitone the other night, who oh, I cool. think is the greatest working comedian. Yeah. And my friend JT is opening for him, and uh, Todd Barry was the middle, so it was mm-hmm. great fucking show. Shouts out to all those people. This is pe- at City Winery? Yeah. Well, okay. shouts out to JT and 
Honestly, it's really sad that I know that when I wasn't even in the country. So maybe <laughs> yeah. I did fucking pay attention to comedy. Fuck you. I hate comedy. God damn it. <laughs> I had a couple funny things happen. One is that uh, Todd Berry's like famous. And so, yeah. and I'm not a presumptuous person. So when I meet somebody who's that famous, I go, hi, I'm Jake. And usually yeah. the last few times I've met him, he's like, um, oh, hey, what's up? Good to meet you. But like now, after all this skank fest shit, I was like, "Hey, I'm Jake," and he's like, "Oh, I know who you are." <laughs> you know, so like, that's... Was, weren't you and him on the same casual sets? Um, Todd Berry. Yeah. Maybe. No? I don't know. You know what? Also, maybe it's just comedy. I don't know. Who knows? I just been not trying yeah, to I toot my own horn too much. I doubt it's from doing stand up. Um, I'm trying to get in there and be like, toot my horn. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, great fucking just show, just casual kidding. sets. But uh, just kidding. I mean. It's a whatever. Go on. So anyway, I said that to Pepitone or uh, Pepitone came up to me and I said, hey, I'm Jake. We did a show together like two years ago. You know, I don't know if you remember me, Um, but I'm friends with JT and they're together. So I think he has an awareness of who I am. And he went, yeah, Jake, how are you? Holy shit. You know, good to see you. And uh, and then he <laughs> then he was busy and he was the headliner, so he was just fucking talking to a bunch of people. But he looked at me and he went, "Should I do Skankfest?" <laughs> <laughs> or he said, "Should I not do Skankfest?" And oh shit! I was like, um, you know, it's a complicated question. So yeah. you know, it might take some more time than this to like figure that out. But um, personally, you know, I think the answer is like, if you're asking me, like. On some level, no, because, like, fuck those people. But on another level, like, the people who run Skankfest are pretty bad. They're pretty horrible, right? So are the people who run the fucking cellar. So are the people who run Moon Tower. Yeah. So are the people who run yeah. everything. And so your predicament as a comic is not so much, is it, do I decide who I work for? It's, do I decide what I say based on the fact that I worked for those people? So I kind of was like, I tried to get that across to be like, I mean, do the set, but like, don't let them tell you not to fucking say whatever you're going to say. And he was just like, I'm famous. And I was like, you're right. Yeah, they're like, right. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Right. And I was like, that's pretty cool, you know? Uh, And I think that's kind of what's going on here with this SNL thing, too, where it's like, well, what was the other option? Was like fucking somebody like James Austin Johnson or Sarah Squirm going to like not Mm -hmm. do SNL and do something more ethical? I don't know. No, totally. But that's what I was going to say. Okay, so let's not go to the choice part yet, but. The part that I think, uh, so I think it's great that you said that to Eddie because you're right, right? Like we watched Ted talk shit to the man from within Caroline's. I don't know if I'm not supposed to talk about it. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Nobody knows the details. Whatever. Move on. It was Uh, cool. Yeah. No, like I get it, right? So honestly, Jake, this this is the problem. And maybe like I think you and I are always always jumping from one side to the other on the idea of whether like change is possible or whether everything's pointless you know it's like a real um extremism of hubris and despair and we switch Mm -hmm. sides and i think that's why we have good conversations and are good friends is because we're not always holding down one side we switch right yeah it's like the (laughs) eternal yeah and so what's fucking crazy here is that like what you said to Eddie and like we've seen Ted do and you know like I I have many examples that I'm not going to name now (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I have seen ways in which people's words and comedians work and jokes do impact and do change I mean I don't even know if change but like I personally have been changed by comedians like seeing comedians as a young kid and I don't know like the 
the desire to speak your own thoughts and to want to make somebody laugh but uncomfortable. There are things there that I relate with that changed me. So I just don't, don't, I can't ever be like, oh, no, nothing you say matters and it's not going to change anything. But at the same time, I personally have failed and I'll say failed twice in my life at changing things from the inside. Once is museums. And I say it in the sense of like, first, I was a person who wrote papers criticizing museums as colonialist institutions that fucking exclude everyone and all this shit. And then I kept hearing this like response to the criticism being like, well, well, if you want to change it, why wouldn't you be a part of it? Like they need people like you. Uh, If more people of color or minorities or immigrants or whatever, however you want to frame it started participating in making museums and museums would be more inclusive and they would fucking represent more people and blah, blah, blah. So I fucking bought that shit like a loser. And I went for 10 years and I worked on it, Jake, not just that, but I got in a hell of debt to go to school to even get in the door to work at them. Right. And then I get there and straight up, I don't have the power to change shit. Like all I do is all I did for 10 years in museums was bang my head against a wall contain myself from calling my bosses racists, uh, like just fight an uphill battle. And in some cases I did win more representation for people that would have previously not been included in certain things, but it, but it's like a fucking blip that doesn't make a difference. Right. Yeah. And then I go to comedy and I do the same stupid shit (laughs) where I'm like, Oh, well, if I run shows well and I'm ethical in the way that I book, then I can prove that blue, blue, blue can be done. Re- no, I didn't change shit. All I do is frustrate myself, spend money out of my own pocket, become people's enemies for no reason. You know, like, what am I doing? So although I do believe in change, uh, the older I grow, the more I think that the change from the inside thing is fucking bullshit. And... That, I guess, is my problem with the SNL thing is that I do think big ups to the people getting jobs or who already have jobs there because you're getting paid really well. You're part of an institution. You're fucking your career is going to be fine. But. Still fucking sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't. Well, I think this kind of reminds me of this thing I was just reading about uh, Kirsten Cinema for PDA mm-hmm. today. Like we just did an episode kind of tracking her entire career. Cause the whole question yeah. of the air about her right now is like, how the fuck did that person go from being a burning man, a green party person to this? Right. And the answer is yeah. that the system self selects for certain behavior. And so in her mind, what was, you know, this master plan to like get a thing done. That's going to be really good turned into 99% of what she does is what gets her to move forward, right? And I think that, yeah. like, the comedy industry is shaped the same way because it's a capitalist industry and everything that's shaped like that is shaped the same way. And so this idea of going into it and going, uh, well, I'm going to lead by example and do something else is kind of inherently structurally flawed because Stupid. 99 <laughs> people are going to come behind you and go, well, I'm going to go down that hallway that is self-selecting yeah. me to my advantage and get paid more than you and be liked more than you. Right. And not care yeah. the fact that it's mm-hmm. like fucking completely unethical and it's running on the yeah. fucking blood of other people and all this stuff. Cause you can just, it's easier to just convince your way out of that. That's how the system's set up or whatever. So yeah. the only way to overhaul the entire system, well in politics, I mean, that's classically like revolution or something like that or something. Some huge structural change but within 
industries that are not important and not entirely political that are just inside of capitalism and inside of politics. The thing that's so fucking blackpilling about being a comedian is, and I think, or at least for me and my perspective on all this and reading theory and all that shit and reading history and looking at everything is that like, oh, for any of the change that we want to happen that makes this a better place huge change needs to happen politically outside of just comedy just in politics in general that then are expressed naturally in our industry because our industry is everything that happens in it is an expression of the fucking framework of politics below it or whatever so like you kind of don't have control which is why so many people get into it that it feels like you don't have control and they just go like yep this is what it is to be an artist is to be a fucking uh, a piece of driftwood that fucking drifts and, and catches on to stuff and just does you know whatever the fuck Pick me, you know, I'll just hang out until the opportunity comes yeah. along because, like, it isn't my agency to to be, like, active in this you to know, change anything. You know, what's funny is that I think uh, in this exchange, we just came to, like, a lovely conclusion for our conversation in the last episode, if I remember correctly. <laughs> because I think this is the solution, right? Because we were arguing about, like, oh, you know, this idea of, like, whether individual choices matter if we recognize that systemic or like huge overhaul change is necessary for any real change, right? Yeah. Because I agree with that second part. I agree with revolution and systemic change is absolutely necessary to make any sustainable real change. But then the individual part of it does come in that like to be an ethical human, in my opinion, means to be a Ted or an Eddie. Right. Which means you take you might have to take the job at a place that you might not love and not doesn't have your politics or it had does bad things in the world, but then every time that you step foot in it, you should be using your words and your power and your status to speak against it from within its walls. Otherwise, you are complicit in everything it does. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, I, con- I contradict myself all the time because, like, I'm saying all this stuff like kind of from a revolutionary point of view of like nothing can happen mm-hmm. until a revolution of sorts happens. Yeah, yeah. But I, every day I go into comedy, I wake up and choose violence. Like I exactly. <laughs> that's why I'm like, I think that's why I got frustrated with you in that last time because the mailbag. Because I was like, Jake, you're lying. <laughs> I'm like, you're fucking lying right now. <laughs> every day you wake up and you're a mini revolution on your own. Shut the fuck up. Otherwise, you would have a tie on and you would be working at a bank or whatever the fuck while yeah. you did comedy at night, like Michelle Wolf did. All right, get the fuck out of here with that. I know, shit. man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's fine. This is my point. All genders have their period. I think it's uh, <laughs> something we all need to accept. Yeah. Well, you know who's having yeah. his period really hard right now? Oh, my God, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh, I almost feel like it's like not even worth talking about. It's so silly. Uh, overall, don't you think he copped out a little bit? I mean, every every specialty cops out a little harder than in the last. <laughs> like, I know, but in this one, I thought he copped out specifically because he was like, you know, like his whole point was like, oh, this is the last time I'm going to talk about this, like trans people <sighs> shit, <God>. right? <laughs> and to me, what he actually was showing was a lot of like recognizing, not recognizing, but like in, there's inklings there of like he's 
seeing that maybe he should just be like, like drop this, you know? Was and, his like, ultimate sorry. like point yeah. was I'm gonna drop but, it, but it's like I know, but it, but I'm gonna drop it in a way of like I know I've lost this, but I'm not gonna admit that I lost yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like it's stupid. It's a stupid cop out. Where imagine the power if he had made it funny to be like, God damn, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, like he uh, did my it bad, a whatever. little bit. Like it's the thing people that need yeah. that hate me for fucking criticizing our god Dave Chappelle or whatever mm. ever from way down here need to understand is that like I don't fucking th- I'm not this is not a binary thing this isn't like Caesar putting his thumb up or down and saying this is good or bad I'm a comic yeah, yeah. I don't fucking think like that I think in yeah. complexities and I'm lo- well I love Dave Chappelle because he exists at this intersection where every time I watch him I'm like my heart is just going up and down and up and down I'm like <laughs> fuck that was such a good way of saying that and then oh you dumbass old man so like for me <laughs> like there were things that you could tell that he was he was processing a little bit and one thing he did that I thought was really funny was just make all these jokes about how he's a transphobic asshole but say that kind of facetiously but yeah. that's it coming through a little bit like the punchline is like and then I said this because I'm a fucking transphobe or whatever yeah I, you know and it's you like, know, but you know what's fucked up about that though uh wait I'm sorry go ahead were you gonna say no no, no go ahead that? good like okay because um, before I even watched the special, right, I saw people on Twitter being like mad that he is owning the term turf, that he's identifying as a turf, that he's being like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking transphobic and whatever. And so I thought going in that he was like sincerely being like, yeah, I'm a transphobe, right? And then when you watch it, you do get these moments where he is ironically like tongue in cheek being like, yeah, you know me because I hate fucking trans people, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and it really does work as a punchline. And you get this like peek at the Chappelle of the great Chappelle when he was at his greatest. Yeah, all the tools are still kind of there. They're rusty. Yeah, man, where he's being like, oh, this is an inside joke between us fans of Chappelle and them who don't get it. Right. Because you guys know that I'm not transphobic. Right. And it makes you laugh because in your heart, you're really like, I don't think that Chappelle is a hateful person, right? But, Jake, the reality is that so many of the things that he said in that hour function as transphobic. Yeah. So it's this thing of like, you know how like white people will be like, oh, well, I'm not racist. I've never said the N-word or I've never hit a black person or I've never called the police on a black person. And it's like, well, okay, so yeah, obviously those are three examples of being racist towards black people, but those are not the only ways to be racist towards black people. If you polled everyone in America, or all white people or whatever, and you said, are you racist, no one would identify as racist. Maybe like one cool guy or whatever, you know, But, but so much racism exists, what does that tell you? And so much of what you say sometimes is coded with racism that you don't even realize. You don't get to self-identify as not racist. Like, exactly. That's not how that so, works. So, yeah. So then what what is funny about Chappelle being like, like using that like, oh, I am a transphobe. I'm a turf as a punchline is that it works for some of the people watching it because we're like, yeah, we know you're not bad, Dave. Yeah. But then he is not admitting that for a whole portion of people watching everything you said around the statement, I like the implication that you're not really anti-trans is anti-trans when you make jokes about like you know oh like uh that this person couldn't pass and you could tell that they were a man or like uh 
even like i don't know the urinal side like it's just weird shit where you are reifying haha there's the word uh Drink. you are lending credence to these narratives and ideas that are already circulating about people's con- anxieties around bathrooms that trans people use like you're not helping you know what i mean like you're not adding even if you got a laugh on it you're not adding it to it there was um another comic and this happens often so it's not even worth naming the person but like re- this week I saw no I think it was before I went to Columbia I saw a comic post something where they basically were like pointing out the irony or discrepancy between like how women will hate it when so and so do this but not if men do this I don't know it was like basically trying to point out some kind of hypocrisy in women's um, desire to hold men accountable for their behavior right like oh they don't hold good looking men account or whatever right And it was really weird, Jake, because it's like the person posting this, you're not a woman. You're not a good looking man. (laughs) You're not like there's you don't have a horse in this fight. So it's weird that you choose to, like, get involved and have a point of view and make a statement that doesn't help anybody involved. But then you want to be like, but I'm not hurting anyone. It's like, shut the fuck up. Why are you even talking about (laughs) like why? And I, and I know that I say this before and people think of it as me saying like, oh, you just wouldn't get in trouble if you kept your mouth shut. But that's not even what I mean. I just mean like as artists, why are you concerning yourself with something that you don't even understand? Are you talking about you? someone doing the take of like, uh, oh, when a hot guy flirts with a woman, it's flirting yeah. and when an ugly guy yeah. does it, it's harassment. Yeah. So when I was watching Chappelle. Like, or pronoun anything mostly. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that it sucks because like I don't want people to think I feel one way or the other about the guy. Like it's I feel mm. very conflicted because I maybe one of my favorite comedians of all time, but also he's fucking wrong about a bunch of shit now, yeah. especially. But like he kept dragging out stuff like tropes like that and ideas and points and takes that are from five years ago on the internet and they're from like open micers and shit and like people that i hung out with back then and back then i was like this is a little bit gross and i was like this is (laughs) because he's rich and he's on he's stuck in time and he doesn't Mm -hmm. fucking keep up with everyone because he only listens selectively to what he wants so it's like the older he gets the more he's gonna be dragging out these boomer bits that are like and he, it's weird because he's a master when it comes to craft, but the yeah. premises are like watching the Bad. worst open micers yeah. of all time and what they want to talk about, which is like bathroom bills and shit like that. Dude, you're so right. I wrote just a few down, and it's like so bad. Like it reads like an open micers <laughs> fucking set list. Yeah. Calling Pence gay. <laughs> right. Uh, a story about hitting a woman. Great. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the uh, flat-out statement that uh, to be a feminist equals being an ugly dyke, and that he just learned that the meaning of feminism is a person who believes in equal rights for women. Yeah, he, like, Googled it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a lot. But he also, like, the thing that still bothered me that made him sound really old was um, still not understanding the difference between sex and gender. <laughs> Yeah. I'm still conflating it when he speaks. And I guess that's what I mean. It's like, um, you know, like there's comics out there, let's say, who do bits about science, right? 
but they literally either have PhDs or they spend all their time reading about science. And the way that you talk about communism and leftism and whatever, and you spend all your fucking time reading about it and educating yourself so that you don't say something stupid on stage, right? Yeah. That's what I don't understand. That is not what Dave Chappelle is doing. Right. right? Like, read some Judith Butler weird, or some shit, man. Yeah, dude. And <laughs> what's weird five is like, specials you, you, about gender. Insist, <laughs> you insist on talking about gender for five specials, okay? <laughs> And then the way that you justify speaking about gender is by bringing a story up about one trans person that you connected with and that like kind of signed off on everything for you. Yeah. And as though that personal experience of knowing one trans person make, makes it like you read all the books about gender and you right. understand. You and had you COVID and you went yeah, through man. and you did comedy instead of quarantining. Read a yeah. fucking book. You could have read a book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, again, not to hate on him, but, uh, you know, there's a couple of things about this, like, the way that the special ended, where he ended it with a story about a trans, I guess, open micer who he met at a club while he was doing his set, and then this person, this comic, would laugh. She would laugh really loud, and he would, like, noticed her, and then he talked to her afterwards, and she was like, oh, my God, I am a, your biggest fan, and I'm a comic, Right. So he, the le- next time he was in that town, he booked her to open for him. And he says he gave her 45 minutes, which like, what? Why would you do that? Right. Like, okay. Yeah. And like, that sounds like you are not in control of your shit. I also what didn't believe mean? a lot of the <laughs> like, shit that he was doing? saying. Yeah. You've never seen somebody and you want to put him up. Okay. Five minutes, 10 minutes. Let's go. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? So anyway, he says he put this trans woman up for 45 minutes and then she proceeded to bomb really badly. But then the point of his story is that, like, right after she bombed, she just, like, got off stage and she didn't leave. Like, most comics leave after they bomb. So then she's, like, not ashamed. She went and she sat in the front row to watch him do his hour or many hours, right? And the whole time she's laughing and he's, like, she sat down for school to watch an established comic. She respects me. She loves me. It was so gross just hearing him, like, she's watching the greatest and learning. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And it was really weird because... It was this thing where you're like hinging the approval of this one trans comic of your jokes as somehow blanket approval for your jokes for everyone that everyone should accept. Right. Right. And it really made me think, like, let's pause, first of all, where that's problematic and well, let's go with two things. Number one was I don't know if you saw that there was a thread by a trans LA comic uh that uh basically I don't know if I should say alleging, but was reporting, let's say with reporting, was reporting that uh, before he recorded that special, he was working rooms in L.A. and he was running different versions of the story of the trans woman. Really? Yeah. Where uh, in this last one that it that made it to the special, it was the trans woman was a comic that he put on stage. But apparently in one other version, it was a trans TV executive. And then, like, the person who had this tweet was like, those don't exist. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, so I'm like, that's not a thing. Uh, but but d- does anyone, has anyone, like, found the person? Because it sounds no, like. so we don't know because I, I don't know. Yeah, nobody has found who, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked. Uh, I think she died. No. Well, that's a part died, of the so, story, yeah. Yeah. But exactly. I don't remember a you know <laughs> the tweet defending him that he talked about i mean i don't know i'm not saying she's not a real person and she could very well be a real person and she could very well have loved his comedy and laughed at his trans jokes and all the stuff because jake 
I'm a fat girl that loves fat girl jokes. You don't understand. Right. I laugh at it. My one time at dinner, my mom, when I was like 15, smacked me in the face because my brother made a fat joke and I laughed. And instead of slapping my brother for being fucking rude, I get slapped. And she's like, you never laugh when somebody makes fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but that's a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that was pretty good. Well, this, this is what I'm saying about this being like, a masterfully crafted expression of the oldest, hackiest point of all time is that every hacky fucking little right wing open micer edgelord guy Has goes, it's yeah. just, oh, I have a black friend, so therefore I'm allowed to do this joke about the N-word or whatever. Or I, right. uh, oh, you didn't like my joke about raping a woman? Well, my friend here who's a woman thinks about it. And so got they, raped and she laughed. And that's yeah. why they, and this is why they keep around all these fucking tokens. So everyone has yeah. a person who checks every fucking box in their, you know, stupid scene or podcast network or whatever so that they can just point to them and go, well, you can't possibly, blah. but it's like, that's not totally. how that fucking works. And that's not how you treat other people. That doesn't run both ways because if it did, then this argument you're making about trans people wouldn't make any sense at all because they could go, well, I have an example of one person who thinks you're wrong. Therefore you're wrong. You know? Yeah, you're wrong. Exactly. Yeah. But then like, if we turn this on our head, right? I don't know. I'm starting to think through this, podcast and through everything that maybe I'm too hard on myself while everyone else is just walking around blaming everyone else (laughs) and I'm like oh it's all my fault I immediately upon hearing him tell this fucking story about the trans comic Jake all I could think about was the people out there who think that I have underwritten their fat jokes or their women jokes or their Latino jokes or when they said the R word or something that I did laugh at, you know what I mean? Like, and and it's something, it's part of what makes me uncomfortable with being a booker or doing any of this. It's like, I need you to understand, or like sometimes I'll retweet something and then I'll unretweet it (laughs) because (laughs) I think it's really fucking funny. It actually made me choke on my beverage or whatever. (laughs) But then I'm like, Oh, this is not, like it's bad it says bad things about women or about sex work or some you know what i mean like or uses a bad word or something that happens to me very often is i i do um identify heavily with african-american humor and music (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh you know i i've never picked up like the word the colloquialisms or like speaking or you know any of the uh, appropriation, I guess, culturally, but I fucking love hip hop. I love black movies. I love all of it. You know, I think it's the closest thing to my experience as a immigrant is like the black American. Sure. I don't know. It's like a weird thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it means that like, um, I still have never been like, oh, I can say this word. <laughs> you know, like I've just never just assumed uh, that I can. But, I do have to think about the people that I made it okay for to say stuff like, like, you know, people that I booked. I I don't know. I, I don't think that there's like no fault on our, on our part. And you, we've talked about, like you mentioned one time about how with your friend groups, when you were younger, you would be like mixed race groups and you would be allowed to use certain racial slurs and shit like that because you had this like, both this permission within the group and this trust where you know that it's not a fucking uh, violent violence being wielded against each other, you know? Yeah. But then also that's the kind of thing that makes like, not everybody can tell the nuance between those spaces and it makes them feel like, yeah, they can go say this somewhere else. 
And then there's the whole, honestly, all the Tim Dillons and shit who are getting applauded for saying the thing they're not supposed to say because that makes other white boys comfortable. Yeah. They, also, they still think that's funny. You know, like, that's a come town problem, too. It's like a... Like, where does irony... Well, whatever that's I, a Chappelle problem. Whatever I look that's at... That's a Chappelle problem. Yeah. Of what he was saying in this special. Every time he said, oh, because I'm a transphobe, oh, because I'm a turf, right? That was him using irony. But the non-ironic part of his special was that he was saying things that were anti-trans people. Yeah. <laughs> so then it's like... It was like watching like a... That's not how irony works, motherfucker. <laughs> like yeah. a fucking spaceship or something. Like a vessel, like yeah. weave through a, a space... And you in your head can see the lines, like they're on the road or whatever. I'm mixing mixing metaphors here, but like mm-hmm. they can't. And you're like, you're doing this interestingly and craftily, yeah. and there's punchlines. But like, first of all, I oh, listen. I think if he there's a lot of shit that goes into the context of this that just has to do with him being ultra famous. Like if he yeah. p- tried to perform this not as Dave Chappelle, a lot of the punchlines would have bombed harder bombed, than yeah. they did. And even mm-hmm. as Dave Chappelle, some of them bombed. And it was like, yeah. you are telling, you're telling people you're the greatest of all time. And like on your own special that you packed the room for, you're kind of not landing. So like, this is kind of yeah. weird and embarrassing, but like what wh- the, the thing that he can't see because he's, isolated himself on a lot of levels i think on the stage as a fucking rich famous person that will not listen to other people critique him at all is the like the tr- like the the thing that if you were a better comedian that thing where you're slightly pushing things over the edge would be really titillating and, and kind of interesting and like it would kind of thrill people because you would be like working back and then going oh, i was just fucking around when i said this like like bill burr when he fucking pushes you and you're like oh my god yeah. goes, i'm just fucking around what the hell do i know what i'm talking about right he does that really really well but Chappelle won't do it and like it, the pro- the problem i had with it is that He every fucking set he does is a sermon now, and some of the stuff he was doing where he was taking risks and being ironic and stuff like that. If he had just been a comedian, he think I think he could have got away with because he would have been like, "Eh, I'm just fucking around. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It's a comedian. I'm a comedian. Right. But he, he always pivots to serious talking and making a point about society and the things that he was saying in serious mode. And the things he was saying in joke mode were all mix-matched and jumbled around. And some of the points he was making in serious mode were, like, transphobic and bad. And, like, the the one that really stuck out to me was he was talking, uh, telling a story that, from a comic's point of view, seems fictionalized. He seems like he's doing a Woody Allen, I met a guy, and then it started raining in my apartment thing or whatever. Whenever he tells (laughs) these stories about these interactions that he has with trans people, and one of them... Like a politician. Right, yeah. Joe the plumber. I was in a hipster coffee shop the other day, and they were all saying Liz Ward is the, you know, whatever. So... He was telling this story about uh, this interaction he had with this trans woman at a bar, and and she kept saying, my people. And his point about it was, oh, your people? Like, do you think that trans people are people? Because you're telling me, oh, we've had struggled for decades and decades, which is, like, not a thing that person would say. Because people have been trans forever, not for decades. But then his point was... A lot of this was very, like, you're making up a guy. Yeah, he's just only making up a guy. <laughs> yeah. But his, yeah. his point, which he could have fucking elaborated on this point, because there is yeah. something to it, it is kind of interesting, is, well, that's not the same as, like, my people, as a black person, yeah. because we, as a people, were taken from another country, and, like, historically, everything is linked to our lineage that we can't escape as a race, especially black people in America. Mm-hmm. So... 
to say my people as even any type of queer people, anything that falls under the fucking umbrella of LGBTQ, everything, um, you know, there is something to be said about that because you have all sorts of people that run the class spectrum because they're not tethered to a class and a space by right by like something genetic like race. So that's really interesting. And so he was making this point about how there's different types of, you know, peoples or whatever, and that one qualifies as a people. And in his argument, another one doesn't. But then he ended the whole fucking special by pointing out this thing that he always talks about, which is that comedians are a tribe of people. I know. And it's like, well, if you think comedians are a people, then trans people are definitely a people. Trans people are a people. You choose to be a fucking comedian and you don't choose to be fucking trans. So it's like he's had he's inconsistent in the serious points that he's trying to make. And I think that's the ultimate fucking failing here because you know you swing for the fences by making a big fucking serious closer like that as a comic and like if you're wrong about it you bombed like i don't care if some people liked you in my apartment watching you you bombed like that sucks (laughs) (laughs) i love that it's like in my apartment you bombed (laughs) that's like that's gonna be my heckle from now on for all um but, dude, uh, we're so on the same page about this, Jake, because it's almost like we pre-planned it. But uh, <laughs> as you were talking, the thing that I fucking thought of is, like, maybe this is a lesson for other comics on, like, the need to work things out before it becomes a special. Because what's weird is that Chappelle came out of, like, not performing at all to, like, a million dollar, millions of dollars deal to Netflix where he promised them six specials, right, in five years. Um, so this was the sixth one. And if you listen back to this show, if you go back and look at reviews, I think, you know, the general consensus is that there's good shit in every one of them, but there's bad shit in every one of them. Right. And then in this last one with the trans thing, that exact bit that you were talking about is the one that I wanted to bring up because what was interesting is that he did eventually get to a good serious point that also could be funny if he had taken the time and had the time to work on the bit and get to this point instead of making all the mistakes publicly on a permanent fucking format, it would have been better, right? Because the point that I thought was a valid one that I think um, merits exploring is uh, when he said, you know, he basically said that white trans people and white LGBT, like white queer people, they're still ultimately white first, right? And as a white Latina, right, this has been the most difficult thing for me to accept personally, Jake, is that although I don't identify as white and I don't think that I've had a white experience and I don't think that I have power in the way that we think whiteness or we know whiteness has power, I have had to accept that because I am in some spaces and by some people perceived as white. I am less persecuted in some spaces. I have more privileges in some spaces. I've had more opportunities in some spaces or in some people's eyes. And it's been extremely hard for me to admit that I am privileged in a way that like even my mom and my brother aren't because they're darker than I am and they're like visibly foreign. You understand me? So... I do think that there is something worth discussing there that both queer comics steer away from and black comics steer away from. And obviously white comics are just fucking, white comics who aren't queer are just completely oblivious. (laughs) But 
the black comics and the white comics who are queer, they steer, they steer away, from, away from this because I think black comics don't want to uh, make it a punching down thing of like, I'm going to like, let's, let's not get into a competition of who's more oppressed. Right. Uh-huh. But then the queer comics, they don't want to ever have to come to terms with the, the aspects of them that are not minority. Right. That are not oppressed that actually grant you some kind of privilege and i say this as a person who's conflicted because i've existed in both spaces where i get followed by a security guard around a store in some places and in other places i am granted all the benefits of being a white lady so i i do think that like the brain that is Chappelle, the talent that is Chappelle, if he were genuinely exploring this topic there is there is something he could find jake there is there is something to explore and to discuss there. But A, I don't think it's your fight primarily, Dave Chappelle. And if you want to make it your fight, you need to read a book and actually fucking understand what you're talking about and work on it before you just throw out offensive shit for no reason because it gets a, a, a reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah. I that, well, I think that's the reason like. guys like him don't read books is because that, I mean, you know, as a comic, like, some people are nerds about comedy and you see them reading yeah. a book and then they're like, I go, you go write a joke about the thing you read. And you're like, that's not how it works on some yeah. level. Comedy is a divining rod where you find the truth with the thing. Yeah. But that's also not a hundred percent true because if you just, you're, if you're like, like, um, and I was talking about this with my roommate today. Like, uh, there's a new Halloween movie coming out. They keep remaking Halloween. The fucking mm-hmm. um, Michael Myers. I'm gonna keep watching. I'm gonna keep mm-hmm. watching. I don't like. I've, <laughs> I watch them, but like, well, actually, you know what? We will probably watch it, and that's the point. We will watch it. So here's the point. Here's what I'm getting at. Right? I don't think they need yeah. to remake that movie. I think it was actually better that they when the before there were a bunch of remakes of it because the yeah. the thing that's so scary about Michael Myers is the lack of context that you have for him. Like, why is he kind of look like William Shatner? It's terrifying, right? Yeah. And yeah. that first movie, the first couple of movies are really good because it never explains who he is. And then they fucking do this thing where they keep remaking them. They put a backstory and the lore on it. And I was talking to my friend Doug about this today, and I was like, well, you know, why do they keep making these movies? Like, why, why don't we get a new Freddy Krueger movie or whatever? And he was like, you know what that is, is um, everything to be sold on a market like entertainment now is just focus grouped, like, really hard. And so... The reasons that they think like a movie with a new Michael Myers that has like a black guy and a white woman in it and all, all these things that we're getting served are like weird and they don't actually appeal to anyone because they're trying to appeal to everyone using everyone. algorithms and stuff like that is just because we're in this like phase of capitalism where we've worshipped and followed the fucking selling and marketing and focus groups and stuff like that to a point where the outcome is like. This, no one likes it. It's like instead of, uh, you know, cheese pizza, which is lame, and everyone, well, maybe it's cheese pizza. I don't know. It's pizza with nothing on it. Like it's, you know, you can eat it, but there's nothing good on it, right? So, point being about like Chappelle and people like that is that they're, I think the reason he did six specials about trans people, which is really weird. Like when you, when I was watching this, I was like, why did, just do a one man show about transgender? Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing a half an hour of every year? Every of your hour is about trans shit. The reason I think he went that far and did that many specials about it is because he's beating his head against the wall with this concept that simply 
writing comedy will find you the truth about something and it's not true and you do need to infuse that with also being a human being and experiencing stuff and like reading books and stuff like that but like comedy as a fucking subculture has fetishized everything about it to the extent where it's like no that's actually bad for you like a lot of comics think Oh no, you're going to corrupt yourself if you go and you get smart or you become happy or you have a meaningful experience or anything. And that's yeah. why when at the end of it, when he's hiding in this idea of like, uh, you know, the, the, the soul of this person who was a comedian before they were anything else. It's yeah. weird because, of course, comedians are going to love hearing that because we all fucking tell ourselves these stupid stories about how, like, we're comedians before we're anyone else. The thing that I always tell people about Dave Chappelle that I think is really funny is, uh... He had this great joke about Michael Richards. I think I've talked about this before, but he was talking about how when Michael Richards was melting down and saying the N-word and stuff, Chappelle's joke was, uh, that was a moment I knew I was more comic than I was black because the black part of me was horrified and the comic part of me was like, he's having a bad set. Very funny joke, right? Mm -hmm. But not a good point. Like, it's not real. Like, you're not comic before you're black. That also is inconsistent with all the stuff that he's saying about... He says. Like, whether you're white before you're trans or, like, all this fucking stuff. Because if he's a comic before he's black, then a trans person is a trans person before they're white. Before they're white. But he's saying they're not. Those fucking shit adds up, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing is uh, I do think... Yeah, that a, a trans person is white before they're trans, and I do think a comic is black before they're a comic, or whatever they may be, right? Um, so I do, th- you're right, he needs to align that shit, it's not working out. Uh, well, the thing that you can see through all of it yeah. is, like, the silhouette you can see of the people he chooses not to make fun of are people who check all the exact same boxes as him. He will right. go to the fucking you know, post for the baby yeah. or whatever. Cause he's a black yeah. guy. So this, <laughs> I know. you, you'd see, there's a lot of fancy fucking words I to know. just go. I like or me and I don't understand Dorner. other people. Yeah. Or he defended Chris Dorner because he's a black man cop. You yeah. I mean, like it's, um, he's, spe- he, what's crazy is that, um, part of his great insight into race is specifically like everything that people think like of early Chappelle and Chappelle show that was great. If you think about it, it was great in the way of like it was talking about the experience of a black man. But as soon as he got outside of that to try to speak for women and queer people and trans people, it got kind of weird because. So anyway, whatever, to get away from that, because uh, something that you touched upon, but I kind of think might button this up well, is um, in the last month, I actually had two different conversations about two different comics. Where we came to the same conclusion, me and the person who were speaking about them, which was that these comics, we watched them go from, you know, open micer and like hustling, struggling comic is trying to get up to like established, doing really well, has a great thing going, right? And the problem that we see now is that they keep getting in trouble because they keep speaking in this way where they, they don't self-identify as rich guys yeah self-identify as successful people whose position in both their industry and in our social world has changed and so they want to keep speaking with this freedom of i'm a i'm just a nobody you know what i mean and it does go back to this court jester thing jake right (laughs) like bear with me travel Uh back to 1600 with me right (laughs) in that the power of a court jester only exists if he, per, if he purports to have no power, right? 
if he can bounce around being like, look, I'm a powerless clown and therefore I can say things to the powerful because nobody cares about my words. It's just a joke. Ha ha ha. It's not real. But if you become the most famous jester in the land and now you have uh, an audience that comes to you and who believes in your words and then you go in front of a king and you make fun of that king, now there is a chance that that king will be offended because you're not just a nobody jester saying shit about him. You are an established troubadour. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like an important artist. Yeah, yeah. Picture Chris Rock and he's got the jester hat on. You're the Chris Rock exactly. of jesters or whatever. Yeah. And so I keep seeing this happen over my time in comedy where comics find success through being able to speak freely because of the free position that they once occupied. But then once they find success through that, they are unable to adjust to the fact that like you are no longer you lost that. You are no longer this like working class hero, <laughs> you know, uh, every man guy, Chappelle, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, it's crazy for you to think that you can get on stage and be like, oh, I'm just making jokes. Like, okay, he had a whole segment where he was talking about how the, the, the phrase punching down is ridiculous. That's really disingenuous. That was a very disingenuous part of his set where I'm like, there's no way that you as a comic don't understand what people mean by punching down. This is a no common – he, he said a thing though. He said a 2015-ism that's real common yeah. among stupid edgelord comedians, which was yeah. a thing that Kurt Mesker used to say on Race Wars all the time, which is if you think of someone – you're saying a joke about as punching down at them. That means you think then you down. Respect them. You yeah, think they're exactly. lower than you, and it's he internalized it. He goes, "This, this means that you are you. You think they're subhuman or whatever." But that's like, that's not the argument. The argument isn't that you that, is that you, you think of them as down there. It's yeah. that they are because we're it's talking about a material yeah. reality that's fucking. You don't get to choose where you're in yeah. it at or whatever. But like you know, I mean, the the, the reaction to that. I mean, I, used, I had a lot of. I've had people fucking. You know, I, I don't want to fucking come off like I'm doing one side and not the other of this. Like, I understand what he's yeah. frustrated about. As a comic, people will fucking just grind your gears and just say the most annoying, college yeah. academic shit to you about how you're doing a microaggression and all this stuff because yeah. you need to joke about Mr. <laughs> Potato Head or something. And yeah, you're like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Like, it's yeah, not totally. literal. And I'm not, you know, my words aren't that powerful. But, yeah. like, he's missing the finer notes of this for sure that's why i did like his his little bit where he was like where the lady he told the story about like a lady coming up to him in the parking lot or something to try to tell him that he was punching down and whatever and then he was like oh well i'm sorry did you come to my show did you turn on netflix or did i follow you down the parking lot to tell you my whole fucking bit about trans people <laughs> you know and then he's like so there is a difference because well, i'm not like forcing you to hear my words but it's like Okay, fine. You're right. But then also how like where where does this come from to suddenly not want to listen to what society is telling you? It's just his little fucking ego because the thing is yeah. he's like he's more of a social scientist than I think that he gives him credit for and I mean that yeah. in a negative way. Like he's kind of an SJW Rude. fucking college person <laughs> yeah. because what he's describing what he's done six fucking specials about yeah. that he need not have done if he'd have just read a book. It's just intersectionality because he's mm -hmm. every time someone 
fucking comes at him for being transphobic, his gr- big greatest point about it is like, but I'm black and I'm talking about white queer yeah. people. And doesn't this look like more of an X than an arrow that goes diagonally in yeah. one direction? Like, this is complicated, right? And exactly. that's true. But then he's doesn't made it to the second chapter of that book and figured out how to that's like. That's what I mean. So that's <laughs> what I mean, that he is insightful and intelligent enough that if he actually educated himself about this stuff, he might be able to have something good to say, even though I don't think he even needs to involve himself in this shit. Like, why? Yeah. If if you know so much about being a black man and a dad and a comic, why don't you talk about that shit? Why are you talking about trans people who you clearly do not know? Well, he's an <laughs> like, egomaniac and he's swinging for the fucking fences. And the thing yeah. is, when you swing for the fences like that creatively, high risk, high reward, right? But the thing is, he's not accepting <sighs> that he's taking risks and they aren't paying off because, like, yeah. I think he's a good enough comic to where if he did the work on these fucking bits... You could, you can do yeah. a fucking transphobic joke yeah. that is so funny that trans people laugh yeah. at it. But like trans people are not laughing at him. He's doing the thing where he's going, "Well, I got one of you, one of them." So yeah. therefore, it undermines fucking everyone. Which is really funny because if anybody told him that one black person laughed at a white comics joke about black people and that made it okay, he wouldn't be okay. He would dissect it for hours and it would be no punchlines and it would be about institutional racism and all this shit. Yeah. So it's just really weird that he, I guess, has such a blind spot for himself, you know? He's lost, I don't know. Well, how could a um, fucking famous that, mega million bazillionaire comedian have a blind spot about themselves, you know? I know, I know. He d- I read that New York Times, no, not New York, New York Magazine guy, Craig J., I don't know. He wrote something like a review of it, and uh, what I did think was a good point was just like, the best thing about this special is that he is taking a break. <laughs> uh, he should, because he is a, I think he is a brilliant smart man you know it's, this isn't bragging but I met him and I think he's a very nice person who you know when I heard him telling that story about like meeting this trans comic here's the thing Jake uh, when I met him he asked me about my childhood stuff like another comic had told him about like my parents and whatever so he asked me some questions we spent like an hour talking about my childhood like he want, like I'm talking to Dave Chappelle and it was just he wanted to know about my life and all this shit yeah so I see how one-on-one he's the kind of person who probably does listen to a trans person he meets and has these one-on-one interactions with them. But then, like, I can't help but see that you, he is maybe siloed into believing this idea that any criticism is equivalent to being canceled, that anybody who has anything constructive to say to him is being um, knee-jerk reaction, SJW, whatever. He also thinks that bringing this up is an interesting point and not the most redundant thing of and all not time. not the most dumb thing. Can I tell you something? Let me give a shout-out to Veronica Garza. She's so funny. I had her on my show, and she mm-hmm. made this joke, which actually made Todd Berry laugh. It was really funny. Because uh, she made some joke. I'm going to butcher it. I'm not good at jokes. But basically, the point of the joke was that... Um, she said something like, uh, you know, it's so tough to watch a comic hit rock bottom or something like that. And she's like, oh, in case you don't know what that looks like, when a comic hits rock bottom is when whenever they do a pronoun joke. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that is so funny. And Todd Barry turned around and looked at me and was like, that's funny. And I was like, yeah, bitch, go tell the old people. Yeah. <laughs> that the young people think you're lame as fuck yeah. if you're still talking about pronouns, you fucking losers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. That's the role that we got to keep playing in life, Jake, is uh, keep the old people listening to the young people and the young people 
listening to the old people. I don't know. We got to leave bad art friend for the next show, though. I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, too bad. Time. Terrible fucking article. <laughs> I loved it. You uh, loved it? Well, it's not in so a way weird. that I liked anyone involved. I just thought it was a really yeah. interesting no, we're going to have a lot to say about it. That's why I think we need to leave it for a whole other show. For but sure. If you have opinions about the bad art, bad art friend or the Dave Chappelle special, I don't know, write us at uh, whyyoumadpod at gmail.com. We will do a mailbag next week, I believe. Anything else you want to talk about? <sighs> I'm just looking at my notes and I've just got so much about Chappelle, but it's like, shit, we've just already talked <laughs> about. Like, he, I was dying. No, but man. He said. People- to take a man's liveliness oh, is know. to oh, literally kill him. I can't believe we didn't bring that up. <laughs> Can I tell you something, though? Not only did he say to take a man's livelihood is the equivalent of killing him, but then, like, <laughs> literally the next sentence, he brought up Kevin Hart. And yeah. Then he goes, and then he goes, Is he dead? Oh, I mean, it didn't kill him because he's very s- strong and tough. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> So it doesn't kill you. So if you're like as strong as five foot six Kevin Hart, it won't kill you. You'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> not to be height shaming anyone. Oh my god, I'm a bad person. And then he said Twitter's not a real place, and it's like no one. And then it's like you've been fighting against Twitter's opinions for six specials. You made six specials about it. It's not a real place. Yeah. You're on Twitter. You have an alt. Dave Chappelle, <laughs> let me be your manager. Call me. Uh, okay, okay. All right. I'm going to cut myself off. We can't talk about Chappelle anymore. Yeah. And hopefully we, we won't have we to. Will, <laughs> we won't have to. He's going to take a break. Why is we all get to take dude, a why break. Why did you take a break during <laughs> fucking coronavirus? I know. <laughs> because he was under contract with Netflix. That's why. Because he had to produce fucking six specials for them in five years, I think. I think he probably so could like have that. made a legal case that, to push that because of the global pandemic that happened. But yeah. maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. I mean, that's what's weird, right? Is that uh, when it's convenient, famous comics act like, oh, I can't do anything about There's this thing. Nothing oh. I can And then do. other times they're like, oh, I got Comedy Central to pay me millions, huh? I'm a badass. <laughs> okay, which one is it? Which one? Uh, is it? Are you real tough and you can make everybody do what you want? Or do you have to go along with all the bad decisions? Can't be both, my friend. Yeah. Space Jew's joke was good. It was about Palestine. I liked it. It was about, <laughs> yeah, I liked it. And I thought it was really funny. I was like, yeah, bitch, this is where you should be getting booed at. Like, take the risks on making some fucking statements about Israel-Palestine instead of wasting your fucking time critiquing gay and trans people for no fucking reason. Like, what? what is the point of this? This is why it's punching down, Dave Chappelle, because there's no point to your crusade in this other than ridiculing a group of people who are already dealing with social, political, economic, policy, actual oppression. What's the point? It, it reminded me of, like, everyone says, like, late Lenny Bruce. Like, he's just mm-hmm. obsessed with a thing, and no one cares anymore about his court case, mm-hmm. and he's just reading for the papers and shit. This is what Chappelle is with, like, gender. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. It's like, dude, we've moved on. We've, we're fine with the they-them. But that's also what on. every famous comedian is with this, like, cancel culture yeah. thing that they just don't understand. That is, like, we understand it now. We figured it out, yeah. you know? All right. Well... I'm going to wash my hands of this. Next show. Bad art friend. Next time. Nice talking to you. Bye, everybody. Oh, we should do plugs. You got anything? Oh, I don't have plugs. Oh, right. What month are we in? October. Um, Yeah, I'm probably going to do a casual set in October, but I don't know when that's going to be, so I'll just tell you in the next show. (laughs) Um, Oh, also, mm, we're not going to talk about it, but there's no stick or treat this this year. Oh, right. I know. I'm so sad. Fuck. I know. It's sad for... New York City comedy and comedy around America, but also it's the right thing to do. There's no reason to be crowding people into a green room during a pandemic. 
and maybe we can come back strong and have a great show next year. We'll see. Speaking of crowding people into green rooms during a pandemic, I'm going to be in Gainesville, Florida at <laughs> Fest, um, the 19th edition of Fest, the pop punk festival where they have comedy and shit. Uh, yeah. On Halloween. 30th and 31st of this year I really thought about sticking around in New York because of the Halloween syndrome I was talking about earlier but I think yeah. I'm going to go to a fun pop punk festival in Gainesville Do so if you're in Florida come hang out I'm gonna, we're, we're going to offline but I'm going to try to go with you. cool yeah alright All right. bye bye